0: What's up, what's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 36 of the first and foremost sports podcast. I am your co-host, the one and only Quentin Douglas.
1: And I'm Jimmy Cummins. What's going on, y'all?
0: What's going on, Jimmy? You doing all right, bro?
1: Chilling, bro. Just chilling. Been, Been on the run a little bit. No man, working. Watching a little football
0: here and there. That's about it. Same here, bro. Getting down to the nitty gritty. Week oh, 17 yeah. coming up oh, right yeah. after that is playoff football.
1: It was time of the year.
0: It came around fast. It did. It really which, did. Which I saw means we're about to start a new year. Can you believe it's about to be 2021? <laughs> right. Hopefully it's better than what 2020 was. Man, you can say that again. Uh, but, hey, let's not waste any more time. Like I said, week 17 coming up in the NFL, uh, a lot on the line for a lot of football teams, uh, so it should be an exciting week. So, Jimmy, looking at the AFC side of things, uh, just what's that looking like and what are some of the scenarios
1: for this upcoming week? Okay, well, this year, as some of most of y'all may know, instead of being six playoff teams this year, it's seven teams in each conference, including – Uh, an extra wild card team and there's only one team to get to buy this year that's the number one seed so the number one seed in the AFC is the Kansas City Chiefs they've clinched the first round by you got the Pittsburgh Steelers who've clinched the AFC North and you have the Buffalo Bills who have clinched the AFC East the AFC South is the only conference that hasn't been only division that hasn't been clinched and it's coming down to the wire between the Titans and the Colts uh, this week but for the uh, for the other three wild card spots uh you have four teams mine for those spots you got Baltimore you got Cleveland uh you got Miami and you got the loser between the Titans and the Colts so for ba- Baltimore controls their own destiny uh simple simple for them sunday if they win they're in but if they don't win they can get in with a Cleveland loss or an Indianapolis loss a tie plus a Miami loss a tie plus a Tennessee loss, a tie plus a Cleveland loss, or a tie and an Indy tie. So, got seven different scenarios, of course. But like I stated at first, the quick, the easiest one is just win and you are in. Playing, you know, Cincinnati, has been in the basement uh, this year, has been terrible the last couple of years. But the DB picked Pittsburgh a couple of weeks ago. So Baltimore cannot underestimate them. They got to come out uh, like, you know, this is a playoff game. And, you know, do their thing. Now for the Cleveland Browns to get in, they need a little more help. So they get – they play Pittsburgh Sunday, actually. Uh, so I'm thinking Ben is probably going to rest. Uh, I think they said they're going to start making a off. Uh, but I still wouldn't call that an easy out. So Cleveland has to beat Pittsburgh this week. Or Indianapolis can lose. Or Tennessee and Miami. Tennessee has to lose, Miami has to win their tie, and Baltimore has to win their tie. They can also get in if Cleveland tied and Baltimore lost, or if they tied and Miami lost, or if Cleveland tied and Tennessee lost, or if Cleveland and, and Indy both tied, or if Cleveland tied, Tennessee tied, Baltimore won, and Miami won, they would get in. So, like I said, it's a it's a whole lot of scenarios going on. For Indy, it's simple. Uh win if you beat Jackson if you win and Tennessee loses or ties, then you win the AFC South. Uh, if you tie and Tennessee loses, you win the AFC AFC South. Either way, you gotta either tie or win, or Tennessee has to lose in order for them to clinch you know the fourth seed in the AFC. Uh, they can also get a little help here. They could win and Baltimore can lose. They could win and Cleveland can lose. They could win or Miami could lose. They could tie plus a Baltimore loss. They could tie plus a Cleveland loss, or they could tie plus a Miami loss. So, uh, they need a little help to get in. Uh, like I said, Andy plays Jacksonville this week, the worst team in the league. Uh, so, they should be able to get it done. Uh, Tennessee plays Houston this week, so they should be able to get it done as well. So, uh, I'm thinking it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be, they're going to need some help to get in. Uh, for the Dolphins, uh, several scenarios as well. Uh, Miami has to win. Or Baltimore has to lose. And keep in mind, Miami plays Buffalo this Sunday. I don't know if they're going to rest their stars or not, uh, being as if they've already clinched the playoff spot. Uh, but Miami has to win, or Baltimore has to lose, or Cleveland has to lose, or Indy has to lose. And then for Tennessee, it's simple. To win an AFC division, you've got to win, or Indy has to lose, or Tennessee and Indy has to tie. Now, in terms of wild card, Baltimore has to lose, or Miami, or they have to tie and Cleveland loses, or Tennessee and Miami both have to tie, or Tennessee and Baltimore have to tie. Uh, so in terms of wild card teams, uh the Baltimore clearly has the easiest path, uh basically winning their end. I definitely suspect them to get in. Uh I suspect Cleveland to get in. Uh, you know, with uh Pittsburgh starting Mason Rudolph. And I'm thinking Tennessee gets their four seed. Uh wins the AFC South. And I think I'm thinking Indy might get in of Miami. I agree
0: with you. I think, yeah, indy will be the team on the outside looking in just, you know, based off the other team circumstances and who they're facing. Uh but the AFC I think could definitely be interesting. It's crazy to think that, you know, a ten and six team is going to be left out, unfortunately. Uh, But that just shows how much improved the AFC is over last year. Uh, But, you know, looking at the NFC side, I mean, like you said, one aspect of this season is the seven seeds in the NFL playoffs. Uh, And I think we're already kind of seeing the benefits of that because pretty much all the teams have something to play for this weekend. Uh, Because in the NFC, as of now, pretty much nothing is set in stone. Uh, You got the Packers. They're currently sitting at the one seed, uh, and they could clinch with a win or a Seattle loss. Uh, But uh, they could be number two uh, if the Saints lose against the Panthers. Uh, And I think if the Seahawks win and the Packers lose, but the Packers are playing at the Bears week 17. So I'm I'm guessing I'll go out on a limb and say they'll lock up that one seed. Uh, so the NFC should run through Lambeau this year. Uh, the Saints, they're currently sitting at the two seed. But if they get a win, plus a Green Bay loss, plus a Seattle loss, then the NFC could run through New Orleans. Or they could stay at the 2C with a win or a Seattle loss. And the and the Saints are playing the Panthers this weekend. Mind you, they still don't have um, Michael Thomas. But the Panthers aren't a very good football team right now. So I think the Saints will be able to pull that off. So at this point, you know, probably 1 and 2 are locked up, uh, most likely, in the NFC. Then jumping down to number 3, you got the Seahawks, who – have become a dangerous team once again. uh, Their defense has played well over the last few weeks, uh, actually one of the top units in the NFL. But they could actually jump up to number one with a win plus a Green Bay loss and a New Orleans loss, or they could jump up to number two with a win plus a Green Bay or New Orleans loss. So they only need one of the two to lose. And they actually play at the 49ers week 17. So the 49ers played spoiler for the Cardinals last week. And now the Cardinals are on life support. So they'll be looking to play the same villain role against the Seahawks this week. So that'll be interesting for sure. Um, and then right now at the 4C, you have the 6-9 and nine Washington football team. That's right. They could clinch the NFC East. <laughs> With a seven and nine record, if they just pull off a Week Seventeen win at Jalen Hurts and the Eagles on Sunday Night Football, but at this point, it's up in the air if Alex Smith will play. If not, they'll be turning to undrafted quarterback Taylor Henneke out of Old Dominion. So definitely want to keep an eye on there. Uh, and then at the five c you got the ten and five Bucks right now. Who they're also a team that's come on pretty good uh, late in the season the past few weeks. Tom Brady went crazy last week, uh, but at the very worst, they'll be the sixth seed, uh, but they could secure number five with a win at home against the Falcons or an LA Rams loss. Uh, so if I had to bet, I'd say they beat the Falcons, but You know, it's the NFC South. Those teams are always unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, you saw the Falcons almost beat the Chiefs last week. So, like I said, you never know. And then you got the L.A. Rams. They're currently sitting in the sixth spot. They could clinch with a win or a Chicago loss. Or they could jump up to the number five seed with a win plus a Tampa Bay loss. or if Chicago loses and Arizona wins, which of course the Rams play Arizona, that would actually drop the Rams out of the playoffs. So right now, these last three teams, only two of them can get in. So the Rams could either be five, six, seven, or out. So next up, you got the eight and seven Bears. Chicago Bears, they started out five and one. I don't know if you remember that. Seemed like a decade ago. And then they came and lost like six straight games. But now they've won the last two, so they're right back in the thick of things. And they currently sit in the seventh spot. So they could clinch with a win or an Arizona loss. Or they could jump up to the sixth seed with a win plus a L.A. Rams loss. And this is one to keep an eye on because they host the Packers Week 17. And as I mentioned earlier, the Packers are still playing for that bye uh, bye week, the first week of the playoffs. Uh, So that definitely would be a good game to keep an eye on. And last but not least, you got – or actually I got a few more. The Cardinals on the outside looking in as it stands for now. But they could clinch a spot with a win or they could jump up to number six with a win plus a Chicago loss to the Packers. So if the Cardinals could beat the Rams, and I bet the Packers would probably beat Chicago, then the Cardinals could jump up to as high as number six. Um, And so, like I said, out of those three teams, only two can make the playoffs. And then, of course, you have to bring them up because they're still in the thick of things. But as I mentioned earlier, the NFC East is still wide open. You have the 6-9 Cowboys. They could clinch the NFC East with a win at the Giants plus a Washington loss. And like I said, Washington doesn't know who their quarterback would be at this moment. So the Cowboys could very well squeeze their way into the playoffs. They won their last three games, so they're on a the roll right now. And of course, their opponent, the Giants at 5 and 10, could be the first ever 6 and 10 team to win a division in the history of the NFL. And on top of that, will host a playoff game. But it's very well possible. And all they have to do is beat the Cowboys and then wait until Sunday night football and hope the Eagles can beat the Redskins. So, as I said, with this new seven-seed format, uh, we clearly see that a lot is on the line, even late in the season. Uh, there are a few teams who will get the rest starters, but for the most part, uh, you got home field advantage on the line. Uh, you got guys who are wanting to get matchups because another thing to keep an eye on in the NFC, uh, teams are going to want that five-seed because whoever gets the five-seed, plays the NFC East win of the first round. And I don't know about you, but i much rather play one of those teams than the Packers, Saints, or the Seahawks. <laughs> so, uh, like, like we said, a lot is going to shake out week 17. I'm excited. Uh, should be some good quality football all weekend long. Uh, but, you know, that brings us to our next topic. At this point, The favorite to win the Super Bowl is, of course, the defending champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, But, Jimmy, who do you think poses the biggest threat to the Chiefs' throne?
1: I'm going to go to the opposite conference and say the Green Bay Packers. I think before Patrick Mahomes came along, I think a lot of people considered Aaron Rodgers, the greatest quarterback that most people had ever seen. Not, you know, not in totality, meaning like accolades and numbers. I'm talking about just strictly just straight in between the lines. Might have been the greatest quarterback most people had ever seen. Until Pat. Like I said, until Patrick Mahomes came around. But Green Bay, they can score along with Kansas City. Uh, they got the most games with 40-plus points this year. Uh, they, can, they have shown that they can run the football with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon uh, like they did Sunday night against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, They've shown they've gotten a lot more physical than they were last year. I think that was a knock on the team last year was the lack of physicality. And they basically beat up one of the most physical teams in football uh, in the Tennessee Titans. And, then you know, another thing is Devonta Adams is unstoppable. I don't think there is a man on earth that can cover Devonta Adams one-on-one. He's one of those receivers that he doesn't even – when he gets off the line of scrimmage, he doesn't beat you with his hands. He beats you with strictly feet. And I saw, and we all saw that several times. Uh, Sunday night, he has beating you at the line of scrimmage with his feet, no hands, none of that, mm. just straight feet. And like he just, he just can't be stopped this year. You know, I honestly think he's the offensive player of the year. The man has been a monster. He's at, he's top five in every category basically. And that, and he even missed a couple games, and that's that's the wild part. Uh, and I think most of all for Green Bay, I mean, you got to motivate Aaron Rodgers. You know, I, I'm sure. You know, the way Aaron Rodgers is. I'm sure the Green Bay Packers drafted uh, Jordan Love in the first round last uh, last, last year. Uh, I'm pretty sure that motivated him. It gave him a little extra motivation. And we all know how great Aaron Rodgers is. This is probably the best we've seen him since his MVP season in 2011, when he threw for 45 touchdowns and six interceptions. Uh, the man has been phenomenal. He's been efficient. Uh, the defense has stepped up. They can get to the passer. They have an elite cornerback in Jael Alexander. Was arguably the best in the game. Uh, they got two good safeties back there, and Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos. You know they got a playmaker at linebacker and Christian Kirksey, and they got three good pass rushers: Darius Smith, Gary has came on of as of late, and Preston Smith has been playing well as well. And they got Kenny Clark in the middle, so they they got some talent on their team. And I think I think the, t- the only team that can beat them, I think realistically, would will be Green Bay.
0: I can't argue with it. Uh, You know, Aaron Rodgers has been playing at an MVP level all season. You talked about Devontae Adams, who's, you know, hands down, probably the best receiver in the league right now. Could make an argument for Stephon Diggs. Uh, You know, got to give props to Aaron Jones. He's been a beast this year. Uh, And like you said, at least situationally, you know, their defense has stepped up. You know, especially last week uh, against the Titans, I think they made a pretty big statement that, you know, they can't be overlooked. Uh, But I'm going to go with the threat that I feel the Chiefs won't expect. And I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, You know, middle of the season, we had a lot of question marks about the Ravens. Uh, At one point, they were at 500, you know, suffering a lot of injuries. Uh, Lamar had to overcompensate, you know, making up for the the lack of talent around him. Uh, But now, look at the end of the season, they're clicking at the right time. Uh, They've realized Lamar Jackson is the most dynamic athlete in the NFL, and that pretty much outside of Patrick Mahomes, uh, he's always the best player on the field. And I think the confidence he's been able to build over the last few weeks dominating teams week in week out because the Ravens actually have the highest point differential in the NFL and of course that's higher than the Chiefs Saints Packers and the Bills all those elite teams Um, and you know another thing with the Ravens the past two years you know especially last year going 14 and 2 all eyes were on them in the playoffs you know All this pressure was heaped on Lamar Jackson. But I think one thing that's going to play a big factor this year, as I said, a lot of people are overlooking them. Uh, They'll get to play that underdog role, have a chip on their shoulder. Uh, And we've seen Jim Harbaugh do it before uh, with the wild card team. I know it firsthand. They won a Super Bowl against us. Uh, So... I think Lamar's going to be out to prove everybody wrong and get, you know, that first playoff victory. And if he can get that and carry that momentum into a game against the Chiefs uh, with somebody as dynamic as Lamar, plus the fact that their defense is getting healthy, uh, I don't think you can count them out.
1: No, I I, I like that pick, too. Um, Baltimore, they've hit their stride as of late. You know, they still do one thing better than everybody else in the league, and that's run the football. And they have a great defense. They can get after the passer. And one thing, you know, the New Orleans showed you is if, if you can get after Patrick Mahomes, then you got a chance. Mm-hmm. You know, and right. I think I, I don't think there's a team in the league that's built to stop Baltimore's run game. Uh, we saw that, you know, the closest thing might have been Pittsburgh, but they ran the ball down Pittsburgh's throat in both games. So, I like, I like that, too. I was even thinking maybe even Buffalo. Uh, but, you know, you think about how Kansas City beat Buffalo earlier this year. But that was with, when they had Clyde edwards Lair too. And uh, he's out, too. So. And
0: Buffalo's a better team now. Yeah, they
1: are. They definitely are.
0: Buffalo had a rough start to the year.
1: Yeah, so I, I wouldn't have been mad if you picked a Buffalo either. But I think – Yeah, you know, I don't think you can go around with either one. I think if the road goes through Green Bay uh, in the NFC – uh, we'll. I think we'll finally get to see that that dream matchup. The matchup I want to see last year: Pat Mahomes yeah. and Aaron Rodgers. will we, we'll, I think we'll get to see that matchup. I don't see any team come, going to Green Bay and beating the Packers unless That's Aaron what I want to see. Yeah. If, see we get, if we can get,
0: if we can get Mahomes against either Lamar or the Bills in the AFC, and then on the NFC side, if we can get. Really, it'll be a couple good quarterback matchups on the NFC side. You got Aaron Rodgers against Drew Brees. You can do uh, Brady, throw Brady in there. You can't count out Russell Wilson. Uh, I like to see any of those quarterback matchups, honestly. Uh, But as far as stacking up to the Chiefs, I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers is that guy that's going to give the Packers the best chance to beat them in the Super Bowl. But moving on to individual accolades, of course, there's only one, seat, one week remaining in the season. So, you know, we can pretty much wrap up who's won, you know, the awards to this point. So, Jimmy, first up, who's your pick for this year's MVP?
1: I told you last show, and I'm sticking with it, I'm going with Aaron Rodgers, completing 70% passing passes, 4000 yards, 44 touchdowns, only five interceptions. He's first in QBR and uh, first in quarterback rating with 119 with 119.4 quarterback rating. He's 16 yards, first in touchdowns, tied for third fewest in interceptions. Like I said, he's about to have two of the top 3 single 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 season highest passer ratings. Uh, he had the first back in 2011 and Peyton Manning had the second highest and he's about to have the third. The man is extremely efficient. Uh, he's a monster. He can make any throw better than anybody I've ever seen. And, you know, I, I think it's his. He's been openly talking about it. And I think in years past, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been a little disrespected. Uh, but that he's come back with a vengeance this year. He's playing like a man possessed. I think he'll get him another MVP this year.
0: Hey, I'm right on board with you. Uh, you know, I pretty much told you. It came down to these last few weeks, and I think, especially given, you know, Patrick Mahomes struggled a little bit the past few games, uh, I got to give the nod to Aaron Rodgers, you know. You have to give the Packers front office credit, you know, drafting Jordan Love. I think they gave Aaron a little extra push, you know, stacked on top of the disrespect that he was just really getting nationwide from a lot of people. Uh, If there's anybody I think a Super Bowl ring would help, I think it would definitely be Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I think if he got a second Super Bowl ring to his legacy, you could easily start throwing him in the conversation for probably, what, top five quarterback ever? I don't know.
1: He's top five already.
0: Well, yeah, but for the people who question it, I think that second Super Bowl was cemented. Especially if he could, if he could knock off somebody like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but like you said, that offense has been going crazy this year. Uh, him and Matt Lafleur—they're uh, gelling together really well. Uh, and of course, he has the balance, being able to run the ball now, so that also helps out a lot. Uh, but like you said, he should get his third MVP. Uh, he's been playing out of his mind, so you don't have any argument from either. So our next award, which I think this one was probably one of the hardest ones to pick for me, uh, but who's your pick for Coach of the Year?
1: I'm going to go with Brian Flores down in Miami. Well, they haven't clinched a playoff spot, uh, but they're definitely in the thick of things. Uh, they were 5-11 and last year. Uh, in the offseason, they added Calvin on, Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Agua, and they added Byron Jones. And the defense has been much improved. And, uh, you know, at quarterback, they've had a streaky, uh, but a veteran QB in Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's played well this year. Uh, they had a rookie, too who's played well in the spots, but he struggled uh, a few games too. And, you know, I think what's most impressive is offensively, they don't have much talent offensively. But they only have two wide receivers with over 600 receiving yards. And they only have one rusher over 500 yards. So, so that's a severe lack of talent offensively, and they're still finding ways to win games. So I think, you know, Brian Flores, Xavier Howard came out today and said that the biggest difference between Adam Gase and Brian Flores is discipline. And, you know, it took him one year to turn one of the worst rosters in football to mm-hmm. basically a playoff team. And, you know, I can't give enough praise, enough praise to Brian Flores for what he's been able to do in Miami. I think he's going to be, you know, I think he's going to do great things for years to come.
0: Look, honestly, on this one, we we right on the same page again. Uh, you know, for the longest this year, I was rooting for Mike Tomlin. I wanted him to get another Coach of the Year award, but I think the way the Steelers kind of tailed off, especially once they started losing those games, uh, you know, I have to give it back to Brian Flores. You know, I don't think there's any team uh, in the NFL where – the coach's impact is more evident than the Miami Dolphins. You know, you just mentioned it only took, you know, one year for him to turn this team around, basically. Even last year when they were losing, you could still see progressively, you know, throughout the season that they were competing and, you know, improving as a whole as a football team. Uh, But they've gave some good teams some fits this year. Uh, We even saw how they roughed up Patrick Mahomes a little bit, even though, you know, eventually Pat Mahomes was Pat Mahomes. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, the Dolphins have had the third-hardest schedule in the NFL this season. And for them to be 10-5, and and, you know, you mentioned, basically they haven't had the same quarterback all year because, you know, especially Tua's battling uh, some injuries right now. Uh, You know, a lot of people thought even before the season, they'd be a shoe in for a top five draft pick. Uh, So definitely got to give props to him. Like you said, they got a stingy defense. If they can just, you know, get some more weapons on offense, uh, this could be a dangerous team for years to come. But as I mentioned, too, this was probably one of the hardest ones for me because, you know... Andy Reid, you could make the argument for him. Uh, You know, Jim Harbaugh, Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland. Uh, It was a lot of guys. The Rams, uh, Sean McVay. Uh, But like I said, I'm giving the the edge to Brian Flores. Uh, So next up, who you got for Defensive Player
1: of the Year? This one was a tough one for me too. Uh, But I decided to go with T.J. Watt. Uh, he's been balling out this year just like he did last year, uh, 53 total tackles, 15 sacks, which is leading the league, 23 tackles for a loss, and 41 quarterback hits, uh, so he's constantly in the quarterback's face uh, making, you know, life hell for opposing tackles. He has two forced fumbles, one interception, and he also has seven pass deflections, so he he's literally... He literally does it all. He's stuffing the stat sheet. I mean, I've seen him out in coverage a few times making a few plays. So the, the man can do it all. He's a monster. And uh, last year, you know, I th- it was a lot of people that were on his side for being defensive player of the year last year. And he has nine more tackles, four loss. And he has five more quarterback hits. And he still has one more game to go uh, than he did last year. So T.J. Watt is steadily improving. Arguably, probably, arguably the best pass rusher in the game. And I think this year, you know, it belongs to him.
0: You know what? I can't argue with it. Uh And I, honestly, T.J. Watt was almost my pick too. Uh, but I'm going to stick with Miami and I'm going to go with the DB. And you actually mentioned him, but Xavier Howard, uh, he's been playing, you know, all world this year. Uh, he has nine interceptions. Uh, and, you know, to go along with 19 pass deflection. that's pretty, pretty nasty and a forced fumble just in case you want a little extra to throw on there. But uh, the way he's locked up receivers this year has been crazy. Uh, Even, you know, he has the highlight interception with the Odell Beckham catch. Uh, But he's been the pretty much the staple of that defense and why they've been one of the top units uh, in the NFL this year. And, you know, The reason they're so successful getting after quarterbacks is because they got guys on the back end who can, you know, pretty much take receivers out of the game. Uh, So when you got a game changer like that, who can erase the side of the field and who can take away the ball, uh, I don't think it gets much better than that. So next up, we got Offensive Player of the Year. So who you rolling with?
1: I mentioned it earlier in the show, Devontae Adams. I don't. I think he's the best receiver in football right now. Not Stephon Diggs. Not Julio. Not D. Hop. Not Mike T. It's Devonta Adams right now. Let's let's be real here. Uh, he's missed two games, so in 13 games, he has 109 catches, 1,300 receiving yards, and he's tied for first in the league with 17 touchdowns. And that's in two less games than everybody else. He's played two less games than Stephon Diggs with 15 less targets. But he has nine more receiving touchdowns, and he has only 11 less catches and, and 130 less receiving yards in two games. So imagine what his numbers would be if he played all if he played those two games. he'd probably have 100, 130 catches, probably 1,500 yards, probably another two or three touchdowns, and it'll be one game to go. So I, I think last, like you know like Michael Thomas had one of those years last year that was just dominant. I think Devontae Adams is having one of those years. And, you know, that's with missing games and, you know, not getting as many targets as Mike T has too. So, I, I mean, I got to go with Devontae Adams. I mean, I also – I even thought about going with Alvin Kamara here or uh, having a back, bounce back year from what he was last year. But I had to go Devonte Devontae Adams. And, I mean, if you said Stephon Diggs, I, you know, I wouldn't be upset with that because he's balling out this year. But I think, you know, he's putting up basically the same numbers as Stephon Diggs, and he missed two games. So –
0: Hey, can't argue with that. I've said it, too. You know, Devontae definitely took the uh, title this year best receiver in the league. And, honestly, probably ain't too close because, like you said, he's missed games. Uh, and he's having a, I don't know, a Randy Moss type year. The year, what was it? Was it with New England? He had, like, 20 touchdown receptions, something like that. 23. Yeah, yeah, 23.
1: Was, uh, 07, 2007.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I think you mentioned the guy. I'm rolling with my boy, A.K., Alvin Kamara. Uh, He's going crazy this year. Uh, The Saints, you know, we give a lot of credit to their defense. But if you look on the offensive side of the ball, Mike T has missed a lot of games. Drew Brees has missed games, not to mention even when he's been back, he clearly has been a shell of himself. Uh, Alvin Kamara has been their run offense and their receiving offense. Uh, he has 900 rushing yards to go along with 600 rushing touchdowns. And he has 83 receptions and 756 receiving yards to go with five receiving touchdowns. And I think he pretty much capped it off with that six-touchdown game last week uh, for Christmas. I mean, that was that was unreal. That was a record that hadn't been touched since, like, 1929. Should have been so, seven. Yeah, should have been seven, honestly. I wish, just for him, I wish he had broke it. But, like I said, he's been going crazy all year. He's pretty much single-handedly carried that New Orleans offense. Uh, and, like I said, no disrespect to Devontae Adams, but, you know, given that he's had both Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones kind of you know, steadying the ship to balance him out. Uh I gotta I gotta give it to AK. So next yeah. up, what's up, what's up?
1: Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Okay. Uh next up we got offensive rookie of the year.
1: You know, I think you know, I think common knowledge might I think the average person might will look at Justin Jefferson and say he definitely uh, his offensive rookie of the year, but I'm going to say no. I'm going with Justin Herbert. I think, you know, I think everybody was wrong just about on Justin Herbert. Nobody thought he was going to be this good, especially this early on. Completing 66% of his passes, has over 4,000 passing yards. He has 28 passing touchdowns, and that's the rookie record. Uh, he broke Baker Mayfield's rookie record. He's 14th in QBR. He has a 96 quarterback rating. And he has only 10 interceptions. And he's also getting done on the ground, has over 200 rushing yards and four rushing TDs as well. Uh, he has single-handedly kept them in games. He's single-handedly won them games. Uh, specifically, the game against Oakland, he put that team on his back and he carried them. Uh, Justin Herbert is a is a monster. Uh, what he's six foot six, 230 pounds, got a rocket forearm, and he's mobile. I think he's, you know, what the NFL is going to in terms of quarterback, What you want your quarterbacks to be like, you know, people say Lamar Jackson, but there's only going to be one Lamar Jackson. Uh, but I think it'll be a little easier to be, kind of be like a guy like Justin Herbert, a big guy who can move. Uh, but that man, that man has a special arm and he, I, you know, I like, I enjoy watching the Chargers play. So I got to go with Justin Jeff, I mean, just, excuse me, Justin Herbert.
0: Man, look at you. You, you starting to learn something a little bit. <laughs> Look, I tried to tell you before the year started, Justin Herbert was that dude. Y'all kept hyping up Tua and the little Alabama arm. And now he down there with his little noodle arm. Can't even throw past 10 yards. (laughs) But I'm going to go with you. Justin Herbert's offensive rookie of the year. Like you said, he's been balling out. Unfortunately, his team let him down a few times this year. Uh, And they couldn't close out games. But even despite that, uh, he had three game-winning drives, including a fourth-quarter comeback. Uh, Like you said, his arm is special. Uh, He can pretty much make any throw you ask of him to any part of the field. Um, You know, I like to see them get him some more weapons, especially a – I like Austin Eckler, but he's more of a receiving running back. They definitely need to get him a running back. Uh, But – Unfortunately, I think they'll fire Anthony Lynn at the end of the season just because of the fact they couldn't close those games out. Uh, But hopefully they'll get them a good offensive coach that can continue to develop them. Uh, And I think they could be – you know, the Chargers could be a dangerous team in a few years, if not next year. Oh, yeah.
1: but I definitely think Anthony Lynn is gone. I don't necessarily feel like it's his fault. Oh, they sustained yeah. a lot of. They sustained a lot of injuries. Uh, you know, Darwin James was a big one. I thought he was the best safety in football uh, his rookie year. Uh, you know, they traded away Desmond King. You know, so don't really have. You know, Austin Eckler missed a lot of time too. So, I mean, you know, I, I expect kind of expect them to struggle.
0: Yeah, but you know, somebody gotta be the scapegoat. <laughs> All right, so now flipping to the other side of the ball, who you got for defensive rookie of the year?
1: I'm torn between two guys, uh, both linebackers. Well, one is a safety slash linebacker, and one is a, is a pure linebacker. For me, I think I'm going to go with Patrick Queen. Uh, over 100 total tackles, eight tackles for a loss, three sacks, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, an interception, uh, and a touchdown. Uh, he's been decent in coverage this year, uh, only allowing 353 yards in coverage, uh, only six and a half yards of target. And he's allowed three touchdowns, uh, but I think he's he's played you know well. Uh, he's played well. Uh, I think ball He's been everything that Baltimore expected him to be. Uh, he's fast. He gets to the ball. He can cover. He can hit. Uh, he, he's just a playmaker. Uh, and I could have easily just as easily gone with Jerry Chen of the Carolina Panthers, who's put up extremely similar numbers. So, but I got to go with Patrick Queen.
0: When you said you was torn between two players, I was like a safety and a linebacker. But it should have been, the right answer should have been it was between Patrick Queen or Chase Young.
1: You took about Mr. Six and a Half Sacks. That's who you're talking about?
0: All right, Mister Mister Stathead, I see I'm gonna have to school you real quick. First of all, nobody watches Washington football, by the way, so I don't expect everybody to know this. I'm only on a, an Ohio State fan, so you know I keep up with my guys a little bit. But Chase Young, if you watch his film, it's probably about 20 sacks. He's one step away from finishing them all. Uh, but. You mentioned the six-and-a-half sacks, uh, but he's just been a playmaker for that Redskins defense. And, you know, you could easily make the state, make the case he's been the culprit why that defense has been playing so well because it definitely ain't been the offense. Uh, the reason they even have a shot to make the playoffs to begin with. Uh, you know, he had the game a few weeks ago. He went crazy against the 49ers you know, recovered that fumble and returned it all the way to the crib. Uh, He has four fumbles, four fumbles already on the year. Uh, Nine quarterback hits, nine tackles for loss. He lives in the backfield. Uh, But like I said, I don't think his stat numbers, his sack numbers tell the true testament of just how disruptive he's been all year. Because sometimes that disruptiveness leads to the quarterbacks moving around. And then the other guys are finishing off getting the sacks. So don't just look at the sack numbers.
1: I, I agree. Tayshon has played you know well this year. I have watched a few Washington football games actually, because uh, I like I like watching you know Antonio Gibson play and Terry McLaurin. So I have watched a few Washington football games. They cold. But they cold. But I, I but I will say I've watched a lot more Baltimore Ravens games and Patrick Queen. Every time I watch him, he seems to jump off on screen with the speed and the coverage ability, and he's a great blitzer, too. Uh, he's only going to get better, uh, especially playing with those talented guys around him.
0: Yeah, no, no disrespect to Pat Coyne. He balled out this year for sure. Uh, but moving on to our last award, comeback player of the year, who you got?
1: I think, you know, think about this award. Somebody, You know, the first person people would say has been Roethlisberger, Uh but – I'm not going to be uh, If you look at his touchdown and interception ratio, I think a little misleading because he only throws the ball six, seven yards down the field. So, of course, your interception numbers are going to be lower. He throws a lot of short passes. He's only averaging about six and a half yards per attempt, which is not good. The league averages like seven, uh, 7.1, seven, so somewhere in there, 7.1 to 7.2. He's under that. Like I said, he's throwing a lot of short passes. So, like I said, his numbers are going to be a little – Inflated in terms of, you know, touchdown and interception ratio. Uh, so, for me, I got to go with Alvin Kamara. Uh, he's balled out this year. Uh, third in the NFL in scrimmage yards behind Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook. Uh, he leads the league in scrimmage and touchdowns by non-QB with 21. Uh, he's a career high in rush yards a game, a career high in scrimmage yards a game, rushing touchdowns, and he has a career high in receptions. Uh, he showed his he showcased his dual threat ability once again. His fourth season in a row, posting uh, over 81 receptions and over 500 receiving yards. So you know he's been balling out. Uh, he has 932 yards right now, uh, averaging five yards to carry. So he has a chance to hit that thousand mark, thousand yard mark for the first time in his career. Uh, 756 receiving yards and five touchdowns too. So he's one of the the best backs in the league. You know, there are Sundays where you can say that he may be the best running back in the league, uh, but he's definitely top five uh, on a consistent basis, and I got to go with Alvin Kamara. You know, last year, a lot of people don't know he played with a torn MCL that didn't require surgery, and so he he didn't look like his, like his old self and had only six total touchdowns. And one thing we know is Alvin Kamara is a touchdown machine. In 60 games, he has 59 total touchdowns. Uh, so last boy, year cold. Yeah, so last year was definitely an aberration. Uh, He's back to himself, and he's carrying that offense right now. The man is a monster, and he got paid, you know, rightfully so.
0: Yes, sir. Uh, But, hey, I can't disagree with that. But I'm going to go with the guy you probably didn't think of, but I think it's a miracle he even played this year. Uh, But I'm going to go with Alex Smith. Uh, Of course, his play on the field wasn't, you know, just eye-catching, but, you know, even in the six games he played, or, you know, specifically before he started, Washington was actually three and one. Uh, And, you know, you can make the case that, you know, him being out there, his leadership, and just having that bravery of being back on the field, you know, gave that team a spark uh, that kind of, you know, kept them in the playoff picture. Uh, Because this guy, you know, he had 17 surgeries on his leg. Uh, You know, people was thinking he wouldn't even walk again, you know. So for him to be even out there in the NFL uniform, uh, you know, just continuing to compete at a high level, uh, I think you got to give props off to him just for that, uh, you know, just being that courageous. Plus, I'm a big Alex Smith fan. He's a 49er.
1: Uh, you know, I you know, I thought about you know I th- I thought about Alex Smith as well. Uh and like you said, it's a miracle that he's even playing. Uh but he hasn't played well, so I, I couldn't I couldn't go with him. I know there's guys that also sustain injuries, obviously not as severe, uh, but uh they ended up playing well, sustaining injuries nonetheless, and they ended up playing a lot better than Alex Smith did. So that's why I went with yeah. Alvin Kamara.
0: Yeah. Or like you said, you know, Ben was a good one. Or even you could, you know, consider Rob Gronkowski coming back out of retirement. Uh, but Jimmy, oh, before we go, I know we don't have any more topics. Uh, but college football playoffs this weekend. Who are you predicting to win? It?
1: I got the Tide winning it. I got the Tide beating the brakes off Notre Dame. I got them. <laughs> I got them beating Notre Dame by at least twenty. I think Clemson's gonna take Ohio State, and I got I got Bama winning. I got Bama winning it all. Uh, they've been playing no Mac Jones and De, and Devonte Smith, and and you know uh, Najee Harris have been playing like some men possessed this year. Uh, the defense has improved drastically from what it was the earlier portion of the year. Uh, Malachi Moore is making plays. Patrick Sertain is arguably the best cornerback in football. He'll, he'll probably be a top 15 pick this year. Uh, Dylan Moses has played well. Oh, so they got some stars on the defensive side as well, not just offense. But, you know, hopefully, you know, it would have been nice to see my Gators in the playoff you know, with uh, Kyle Trask, the rightful. The guy who sh- who should be the husband winner, Kyle Trask. And, uh, you know, we should have – Kyle Pitts should have been the Heisman finalist, not Trevor Lawrence. Yeah.
0: Y'all, uh, don't y'all play Oklahoma tonight. I
1: don't, you know what, man? I don't even know. Uh, Kadarius <sighs> – Kadarius <laughs> Tony. I know y'all suck. Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts both opted out. So, I don't know how – I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Kyle Trask still managed to throw for 400 yards. He he's been magical all year long. I think he should be the Heisman. He should win the Heisman, but they're probably gonna give it to Mac Jones.
0: They finna be hot garbage. I don't know. I've even come around. Well, yeah, yeah, Mac Jones should get it. But I guess Jimmy, did you have anything else you want to add on? Uh, Nope. Just wanna say
1: happy New Year's. Um, wanna wish everybody uh, more prosperity, more love, more success, and more life in twenty twenty one.
0: More life, more everything. Hey, couldn't have said it better myself. Definitely wish everybody the best in 2021. Uh, can't wait to see what's in store for the podcast. Uh, we appreciate the support. Continue to know like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you find uh, podcasts. And, you know, that's all we got for you today. I'm the one and only, Quentin Douglas.
1: And I'm Jimmy Cummins. Thank y'all. All right. Deuces.